Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with Bet MGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute made slushy is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Have to go play to get it. Well, you have to play the chance to get it. Aha. We shall see. Oh, the cars are still on the track. I guess they haven't called it yet. Darlington, I was like, what's funny is like the race was today and then started at six and they panned on pit road and it was like a sea of people. And I looked at Nick and I'm like, how are they going to get? Because they had a ticker on the screen, like 11 minutes till countdown. And I'm like, how are they going to get all them people off of pit road in 11 minutes? Then the skies opened up and it started pouring the rain. And Nick goes, that's how. Because mm-hmm. people just start taking off running. You shouldn't run in traffic. Well, one guy was running backwards because <laughs> he wanted to try to see Denny Hamlin. And he ended up running right into the camera. Mm-hmm. And turned around like, oh, sorry. But Denny Hamlin won yesterday's Xfinity race, and then his car was too low in post-race inspection, so they disqualified him for the first time. This is the first too season they've ever low. done that. Huh? Too low? Yeah, like the front, the left front was too low. 
in, in their technical inspection and the right rear was too high. There we and go. The, I think the button was on there. Sorry. It's first year NASCAR's like, you know what? We're going to take wins away. Ooh. What do you know? We get to start off corner to corner wrestling radio with uh, the story of cars. Denny Hamlin. Well, maybe you should learn how to turn the button on and tell people that you're recording. I know, right? I sh- I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, we're live and I'm talking and looking around going, what in the world's going on? And hearing Denny Hamlin getting bumped into with a camera and like, oh, wait, there's. <laughs> I was doing my part so we didn't have dead air. Sorry. I appreciate you because you I saved us. I will go from... back on mute and you all can talk. Oh, oh. Rob. It's way too early for that. You gotta at least, you know, get a couple of good digs in or something. Jeez. Oh goodness. Uh it's the AEW all out fallout from wow. A hit pay per view last night, wrapped up right around midnight. Uh tons of action to talk about, tons of news to talk about. We've got uh, the crowning of the first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion to discuss. We've got um from what I read last night, the first departure from the roster. Not exactly sure, cer- certain as to what it's stemming from, but uh, got that news to talk about. And we're just going to go over and, and talk about our bet. Who is going to buy dinner for who? That is the question. The bet itself was about the time of the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers matchup. And the... The guesstimates from each of us, some specific, some not so much. <laughs> uh, I had said initially 35 minutes. Rob had said 36 minutes, 27 seconds, 57 milliseconds, and 18 streamers. Well, there were no streamers. This is true. There were no streamers. Uh, and Brian... Had 26 minutes and 34 seconds. So, without further ado, should we go ahead and just unveil the winner of the first corner-to-corner <laughs> predictions bet? Sure. Well, no, it ain't me because there wasn't no streamer, so. <laughs> well, I guess the question here, really, we should answer that question with a question. And that's, uh, so, Brian, I have a question for you. Do you, do you prefer um, cheese with your Whopper, or uh, do you just like uh, the Impossible Burger? Well, if y'all are buying dinner, we're going bigger than the Impossible Burger. <laughs> oh, no. Not bigger than the... That's Impossible, Brian. <laughs> no. That might be a steak dinner. <laughs> oh, Lord. Cube steak. Uh, so, Brian actually wins with 26 minutes, 34 seconds, but the time of the match was just under 21 minutes. Oh, wow. So yeah. Brian doesn't win either. Ah. Uh, that's not true. In the the price. closest, like, the Price is Right rules is whoever's closest without going over. Ooh, Bob Barker rule we just got thrown at no, us. It, it, it wasn't, was not explained that night. You guys lost. We'll catch up. <laughs> On another day. <laughs> I, I still say Robbie gets an impossible burger, and there we go. We're done. I say he gets a kid's meal. <laughs> the girl's toy. <laughs> uh, what a great pay-per-view. Um, All Elite Wrestling has been delivering 
in a very, very prosperous way for these, uh, since their debut, is really the best way to put it. They have been delivering with in-the-ring action, with uh, storylines, and with continuity, making sure that fans understand what's happening on the screen as it happens. The amount of confusion that you saw initially, like, for example, when the Dark Order first debuted, it has dwindled down so much to where you see maybe one or two small, I guess, uh, what's a good way to describe it, gaffes or or mix-ups, but nothing even close to half as bad or even close to a quarter of as it was when they first started. They're making such great strides. Um, I want to say that this pay-per-view, in my opinion, was much more well-rounded than Double or Nothing since it had more story to it. But I don't know if it was better than Double or Nothing. You don't know if it was better. Yeah. I mean, Double or Nothing was pretty awesome. It really was. There was just great matches all around. Uh, But there weren't really a lot of storylines to it. But this one, for All Out, I I really liked the fact that they had a lot of continuity. They had the storyline with Kenny Omega. They had the storyline with Jericho and Paige. Uh, and of course, I mean, you can't go wrong with Cody and, and Sean Spears and the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. Just, they're seemingly the end of one feud and the beginning of another, quite possibly. So I, I like what we're seeing with what, what All Elite is bringing to the table right now. Well, I think with when it comes to like Double or Nothing and comparing it all out to Double or Nothing or whatever, it's like the first pay-per-views, the first one's always going to have that special feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I kind of look at all in as a one-off. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't ha- they didn't use their production company. They used established people. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> yeah. Double or nothing was their first with their people, their way, how they're going to do it in the future, and so like that's always going to hold a special place. Like, ah, that was the first. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. and all out. It just shows that you know continuity and like you said, the storylines, the. The company is starting to find its foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 way that AEW is presenting their their matchups and the psychology of, of what's happening in the ring, it it really uh, harkens back to kind of an old school feel. What do you what do you think about that, Brian? Um. Well, I just think that uh, when was Double or Nothing again? Uh, May. That was May. Was that May twenty fifth? May twenty fifth, I believe. Alright, so you had Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. then you had, uh, what was next, uh, Fighter Fest? Yep, and then Fight for the Fallen. And then Fight for the Fallen. Um, you know, the other ones, I guess they were trying, you know, first you had Cody and Dustin trying to wrap up a storyline. Mm-hmm. It had the continuation of the uh, Adam Page and Jericho, at, uh, Jericho and Omega. You know, they to me some of these storylines they were early on they were trying to wrap up so that they weren't wouldn't be. <clears throat> I, I guess for me is they wouldn't necessarily need to be become focal points uh, come October second. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. And I think that's why this one, um, 
you know, you re- the storylines you you uh, Rob's going mute. Look at that. Um, anyway, um, to me, the storylines were only this time only revolved around what was necessary, right? So you had Cody and Spears, you had the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, and you had the um, the World Title, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made that's why it was a little bit easier story wise this go round because you know again they're just kind of finishing up a few dangling plot lines other than the world title to get ready for October 2nd and you'll probably get all all brand new storylines because I don't know if you'll I mean uh, as much as I'd like to see Omega and and Pac again in a storyline Omega's got Moxley so if that plays out, it'll be you know somewhere down the line. Yeah, the the way that things were getting laid out as far as what's going to happen next, what the storyline is going to be. Um, wow, I I like the direction that they're taking. I like the attitude that they have with it. Um, I feel like the the presentation we got as far as Jericho and Page even though it seemed like it was kind of the ending of that, I could very easily see it pick back up pretty much at any time. Um, and then what we'll talk about also is kind of the, the aftermath, the uh, AEW post-show where, that they had on YouTube, where it seems like they're going from from uh, Jericho and Page to, uh, apparently it's Page and, and yeah, we're all, we all struggled with this one yesterday, Page and Pack. It's not Pac, Ah, so they were right. Yeah, that's crazy to me. So, how long have we been calling them that? <laughs> and and oh, by the way, those of you in our audience, how long have you been letting us call them that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He doesn't get brought up that often, so well, we may gap a few times, but yeah, I mean, it, it he has been kind of out of the out of the spotlight for a little bit just because of the fact mm. that he was over in Dragon Gate. <clears throat> so, now is that going to lead to like a number one contender or is Pac just trying to climb the ranks? That that remains to be seen. They haven't really laid out too much of it, but during the post-show for All Elite last night for uh, All Out, uh, Hangman Page is basically... Uh, kind of talking about how he didn't really know what he was going to do if he lost because he didn't expect that this was going to happen. His obvious disappointment with the result of the matchup. And then as he's talking, as he is uh, answering questions from reporters, in struts uh, Pac, or Pac, I'm still not comfortable with how to say it, but whatever. (laughs) Out he comes and he's like, oh, well, you know, I I thought I'd come out here and, and... Maybe uh, tell you how I feel sorry for you and everything, but honestly, what it gives me is a real chance for, and the real reason I came back to All Elite Wrestling was for revenge. And then he takes a half-full water bottle and chucks it at Adam Page's head. <laughs> so, oh, so, so they must be uh, looking to start the the feud that went nowhere fast. Yeah, 
Yeah, essentially they're they're just picking up right where they left off with uh, with Pac and Pack and uh, Adam Page. So, you know, I, hey Adam, I guess this is what we're doing now, huh? Hey, can we call him the other? Can we call him his other uh, nickname? <laughs> Adam, this is what we're doing now, Paige. <laughs> no, 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 the other one, Neville. Oh. No, the king yeah, of the, the cruiserweights. No, the one that starts with a B. Oh, the bastard pack. <laughs> can we just call him? Dude, it works just, better. He, we can just call him the B word if that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> we'll no longer call him Pack or Pac. We'll just call him the Bastard. <laughs> let, let it be written. Let it be done. It's gonna be entered into the C two C record book. <laughs> I'm putting it in our notes right now. Pac and Pack is now to be referred to as. I'm just gonna put B word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and start from the buy-in and work our way up through the main event. Uh, 21 Woman Casino Battle Royale, like a Royale with cheese. Great Battle Royale. Um, interesting to see some of the direction that they're taking with this, but also some cool debuts. We saw an old favorite in Ariel Monroe debuting. We saw Priscilla Kelly debut. Um, let's see, Ivelisse. Coming to coming to uh, all elite wrestling, B Presley, and or is that Priestley or Priestley? Sorry, um, and then of course we also saw Awesome Kong. But the person that really surprised me, right, right, to Neil Dashwood. Yes, yes. Uh, Teal Teal Piper. Yep, yep. Roddy Piper's daughter, uh, and then of course former NWA Women's Champion Jazz. ODB. Let's see who else was. Uh, Nikki Savoy made her debut. Sadie Gibbs made her debut. Shaza McKenzie, Penelope Ford. Wow, there were a lot of debuts last night. And the Joker. Yeah, and that one, that one really kind of blew me away. It, it should have been expected that they would have contacted this woman at one point, but what a cool way to bring out. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully a debuting regular appearing Mercedes Martinez because the response she got when her music hit and she came out was pretty crazy. Yeah, she was not uh, one I was expecting. No. Especially since uh, she's worked with the WWE on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. But you snooze, you lose. Yeah, you're going to find a lot of times now that, you know, what uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of thing. So WWE said, no, I don't think so. Okay, no problem. <laughs> We've got another place to put her in somewhere where she'll she'll flourish, I really believe. Um, the Battle Royal itself, the only question I had really about this, and, and Rob and Brian, I'm sure you guys have your own take, Nyla Rose winning this battle royal to advance to one half of the women's championship matchup at October 2nd in D.C. Um, what do you guys think about this decision? Because there's a lot of conversation on social media right now as to whether or not Nyla Rose was a smart decision as for the first women's championship match. 
I mean, I, just, I, I like the paper. I like the Battle Royal. I like the idea. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea obviously worked with the guys last time, and it worked with the girls, the women. And I just, I mean, it just, the storyline kind of fell flat, if that makes sense. Like, it just kind of was like, oh. Mm-hmm. But, because at, at a certain point, you could see it, what was happening. You know, you're like, oh, okay, we know where this is going. <laughs> Um, but I say give everybody a shot, you know, in the, in the long run. I mean, it doesn't matter. Brian, your thought on Nyla Rose and, uh, headed to the women's championship matchup. The question that I would have would be, why not? Okay. You give me an explanation as to why not. You know, the. There's not an explanation that I would give you from me, but I can tell you what I've been reading, which is a little disheartening. Um, okay, so let, let's hear what the uh, interweaves, the bobbleheads, whatever you want to say. <laughs> keyboard warriors. Keyboard I don't even warriors. know if I'd call them keyboard warriors because that just would suggest strength, and I'm not so sure this is a strong opinion. Um, Parents, Wi-Fi suckers. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi vampires, um, leeches. There we go. So there's a lot of these uh, folks on on Twitter and, and Facebook, especially in the. And I was telling you guys before we went on the air, just the sad uh, state of affairs that it is for the All Elite Wrestling fan group, which I thought would be a bunch of diehard AEW kind of fans, which it really turns out to just be a real toxic group. Um, but the the going commentary right now is, and this is not popular opinion, so let me just stress that. This is not necessarily to say that we agree here as a show or whatever, but the the negativity that's coming out is really because of the fact that Nyla Rose is, is transgender. Uh, I mean, I, I think in this day and age, mm-hmm. it's time that you know, certain things are accepted, I guess, yeah. would be the word I'm looking for. Um, I mean, so, would it really have, would it made a difference if it was, oh, I don't know, Joey Ryan, and the title was a transgender title? Oh, wow. I mean... Do you see what I'm saying? I do. I mean, what What's the hang-up? Because, um, you know, or I, I I don't understand it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's pro wrestling, and uh, it's there to make me suspend belief and enjoy a, uh, and you know enjoy entertainment. Right. And if they think that she should be in that in that first match and I'm going to trust them to, you know, provide the entertainment. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not worried about her being transgender. Mm-hmm. Although I might be a little worried for her opponent, but <laughs> yeah. What is she? 98 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's a real concern because I mean, the size difference usually in wrestling is, you know, 
25, 30, 40, 50 pounds maybe. There's a, this is going to be a little bit more of a gap. This is going to be, um, you know, you want to talk about David and Goliath. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put Awesome Kong instead of Nyla Rose, well, then you'd have to include Brandy, which might make the the match a little, a lot more one-sided, you know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, nobody said she's going to win. They just Very true. In the first match. I mean, and, and Brian brought up a good point. Like, if you put Awesome Kong in that slot and take Nyla Rose out, you have the same comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, to the the woman who is going to be facing it's, but the same argument has been done for years with all these people on the wrestling circuit in the different promotions that don't get their fair chance. Mm -hmm. And out of the gate, AEW saying, you know what, we're going to give everybody a chance. You know, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's it's a chance. Right. Like Brian said, it's not like she doesn't mean she's going to keep bring the belt home, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the, what have we learned in the wrestling businesses? There always could be a swerve. And the other thing to remember is, no matter the whether it's good or bad, if they're talking about you, they're still talking about you. True. So if this is what it takes uh, for them to keep build momentum. Let them build it. Yeah, I, I feel like this is one of those kinds of conversations or commentary pieces that comes out when people are just angry that the person they wanted didn't get it. Like, no. Yeah. I, I would imagine most of these people are bobbleheads. Mm-hmm. I said it. And they're just, they're fighting. Uh, you know, to, to keep the E at a certain level, and now they have competition that they haven't had, and a lot of these fans probably, you know, have never seen the wrestling business with the WWE having competition, so they don't they don't even know how to react themselves. Yeah, I, I think there's a lack of, uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be education when it comes to the outside world, you know, outside of the, the machine. Um, and I also think that to, to put down or to try to dis, disregard what Nyla Rose has done as a professional simply because of where where she chose to end up and what she feels most comfortable being is just ignorant. At the same time, you have to look at it from the perspective of life has changed. We are no longer in the 1950s where everything is a certain way and that's the only way it can be. It's just not anymore. And you made a good point. I mean, if it was Joey Ryan in, you know, and he was the intergender champion or something, uh, yeah, you're going to get the same people that complain about that because it seems like it's silly, but at the same time, are they going to make the same jokes? Are they going to, and it's just, it's, I don't know. I think it's cheap heat. It's, it's a cheap attempt to try to get attention on yourself and take away from the accomplishments of Nyla Rose. And, and the fact is, Nyla Rose has done a tremendous job since debuting in AEW and before then. Um, and she's going to continue to make a presence for herself. And personally, if she becomes women's champion, I could care less. That's, that's great. Whatever. You know, I, I think it's... 
I think we we should be as as fans, but also just honestly, just as adults. You know, it's time to stop stop looking at it from just such a jaded point of view, or maybe such a tunnel vision point of view. But it did happen. It was said on Twitter. I thought I'd bring it up. I'm glad we could cover it in the way we did. I had a feeling <laughs> our opinions would all pretty well match. Um, so yeah, the the met, the match itself was won by Nyla Rose. She gets her shot at the women's championship. She will take on the winner of Riho and Hikaru Shida. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we go from the Battle Royale to Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, this matchup was hard to keep up with. It was fast. Yeah. Hello? Rob, Rob having trouble keeping up already. <laughs> Brian, you there? No, you just cut off. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, you like I mean, I don't try to cut, you know, call out every time something. So, I mean, My that's bad. fine. Okay. Sorry. Um, I thought this well, match. Rob's just funny. What? That's what, he's, that's what he's telling you. All right. Well, my bad, man. Sorry. Um, I felt like this matchup was uh, very, very fast-paced. It was hard to keep track of between um, Private Party and, and Angelico and Jack Evans. These guys were just all over the place. The the, the flips, the, the high spots, the drop kicks, corkscrews. There was even a, a point where there was... One, two, three. I want to say there was four different opportunities of the the reverse Frankensteiner or the poison ranas, which is what they call it, um, which transitioned into the finish, which was a uh, second rope hurricanrana into a a diamond cutter, which was a great way to finish out the match. But uh, I believe we were all matching up on Private Party winning this one. Mm, did we? I don't remember. I picked Private Party, but I mean, I thought it was a good match. It was fast paced. It was so many different high spots, and it just kept going. Um, it helped with my ADD, so I could keep up. They definitely made sure you had something to see at all points and times. It was not, it wasn't necessarily easy to follow, but they made sure you had something to look at at any point. Well, I mean, you're probably going to see more matches like this. So, uh, I don't know how you would uh, train yourself to watch it faster. But I would imagine you're going to see a lot more matches like that. Yeah, All Elite's uh, tag team division is pretty much the best in the business right now. I don't think there's another stronger tag division anywhere. Mm. Well, I mean, I just think they're focusing on their tag division. You know what I mean? Like, they have the tag teams, and they're letting people see them. Other mm. promotions have tag teams. They just don't let people see the tag teams they have. They make up tag teams. You know? So. Yeah, Rob's got a point. It's, it may not be that they have the best. Because you could probably... You could probably argue that fact that maybe New Japan, TNA's got a pretty robust tag division, but it's that they're actually using them 
And at least for a while, I think the tag division will mean something. In AEW. Well, I also think it helps that, you know, when it comes to tag, the tag division, you have two of the two of the people on the committee that are calling the shots are one of the most popular tag teams in the world. So what else would they want to focus on, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you've got you've got at any given point at least four tag teams there that can give you match of the night quality every time out. So mm, well, maybe not all of them, but probably 95% of them. I don't know if I don't know if the dark order or whatever they're called can give you match of the night, but well, I think, I, I think they're still a little behind the rest. At this point, do you guys have a pick for who you think is going to win the tag titles to win, be the first tag champs? Um, should well, uh, brothers. Well, I don't want to give spoilers. If that helps you any. Okay, well let's let's keep going down the line, and we will ask that question as we get towards the end here. So the buy-in ends with uh, Private Party and Angelico and Jack Evans, and we get in spectacular match. Say one more time. Spectacular match. Yeah, I mean that was that was just like I said, it was fast paced. It was action, but it was active like the whole time. You can say it. I know you're a reformed bobblehead. That was one of the coolest, coolest tag matches you've seen in a long time. I I can't say enough about the finish sequence. Say the, it again. Those Let poison ranas that they hit, it was like one and then another and then another. And it went across. It literally went corner to corner because it started in one corner and worked its way all the way back around across the ring to where um, – and I, I haven't learned their names as well as I should yet, but uh, one half of private party manages to go to the second rope, and he hits that hurricanrana and pulls off, um, I think it was Jack Evans, into a, just a standard hurricanrana. And when he hits that flip, he doesn't actually flip, though. He just kind of gets thrown into a diamond cutter, which just looks so sweet. It was a, it was a great finish that match. Uh, and you should also mention, too, that Angelico and Evans turned. Yeah, there was a, a seemingly a, a sign of respect, a handshake with uh, all parties involved. And as private party turns their backs, that was uh, all she wrote. And Angelico and Jack Evans put the boots and fists and everything else they could. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. The private party ending their celebration. Oh, but by the way. It does get, uh, what, do they, what do they get, the buy? They get a first round buy in the tag tournament. Yep. So, all right, so that catches up to date. 
By the way, their finish is called the Gin and Juice. Laid back. <laughs> and then, the even better, when they were announced coming to the ring, it was 170 pounds of cranberry and vodka. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I th- was it beer money that used to come out and they were measured in fluid ounces? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we go from the buy-in to the main show, and we start off with the six-man tag: Cow Uncensored versus Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Twelve-Year-Old Boy. No, I'm sorry, and Marco Stunt <laughs> in a uh, entertaining but um. I had some questions about this six-man tag. Uh, Rob, what did you think of uh, Marco's stunt? I thought it was about the, the, the match or the person. Well, both, both. I, my question was initially at, about Marco's stunt, but I am curious. Oh, Marco, Polly Shore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he was okay. I mean, I wasn't too, like, over-the-top impressed, like, oh, wow. What was your comment that you said last night that it reminded you of? Reminded me of Polly Shore walking around like, oh, look, there are the people that are supposed to be there. And here comes Polly Shore. <laughs> like, hey, man, I'm a wrestler, too. I will say this. He he did well for himself. He did not have a bad night. But uh, there was... I, my biggest question was like, okay, I guess they needed a, a chance or a way to get him a spotlight because he is going to be a good, a big player there. I know that he is a very talented individual. I'm not trying to put him down, but so much. A lot of this is more in jest. But watching him, he just was so small compared to everybody else in the ring. It's like, wow, maybe maybe the 205 division would be a better fit for him. I don't know. You disappoint me, bobblehead. I know, I know. I had to throw a 205 reference in there. I apologize. Your thoughts on uh, Marco's stunt, Brian? Uh, something tells me that those three were paired together somewhere along the way. Um, maybe an interview or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to say they were somewhere in this long uh, two years or year and a half or whatever it's taken us to get to this point. Yeah. Uh, I I I think he's probably going to counterbalance the size of uh Stan's favorite uh Luchasaurus. The next AEW World Champion. He's going to be the one that, that dethrones the current one. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't heard you go on and on and on about somebody since, like, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it's just, he's just such an impressive performer. The guy's, like, six foot nine, and he moves, he moves like a cruiserweight. He's ridiculous. And then, and then, the the martial arts technique he's showing in the middle of the ring, just clocking people in the head, looking looking like Aleister Black knocking people out. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but I, I just I think he's that he's there to uh, again balance out mm-hmm. the you know the 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 size of the six man team. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing too. I mean, so AEW looks like they're going to have singles 
They're going to have women. They're going to have tags. And they sure are pairing up six-man teams. So I think you're going to have, you know, you're going to have something for SCU mm-hmm. you know, to keep them in six-man. And um, so, I, again, I don't if you put a big another big guy there, with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, yeah, I, there wouldn't have been nothing you could do with them. You know, you almost got to put the smallest guy on the roster in there. Um, uh, I mean the the matchup itself was was very fluid. There was a couple of points where I thought either um, Jungle Boy or Marco lost a bit of their hair. Maybe it was Jungle Boy where he he got thrown yeah. over the top rope and there's his hair just dangling from the top. Well, yeah. Marco also learned that he got to turn the right way after he come flying out the ring. Oh, he yeah. turn and look, look, see what's coming, because here comes Jungle Boy. <laughs> right in his face. <laughs> got him right in the back of the head. Like, pow, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I, I feel like with, especially with Jungle Boy, the, the sky is the limit for him. If he just keeps after it, he, he has such a huge, huge future. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, he's got a certain look. He's got a, you know, kind of quiet charisma about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he I, doesn't really hasn't really said much yet, but the crowd's behind him. The crowd behind the uh, you know Luchasaurus. So, if and when he ever splits or just go a singles route, mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll carry over. Just imagine in 20 years when they announce him on the in, at the wrestling match. Ladies and gentlemen, your opponent, Jungle Boy. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out, he's no boy no more. <laughs> <laughs> no longer Jungle Boy, me Jungle Man. <laughs> jungle Dude. Wouldn't that make him Tarzan? Tarzan? Jungle Gigolo. The what? Jungle Gigolo. <laughs> no, <I heard> <laughs> mm. Jungle Gigolo. Yep, that that happened, and uh, you know that's that's okay. SCU wins this matchup in uh, pretty cool fashion. Um, I would have to agree with Brian. It does seem like there's a trios division that they're putting together, which hey, that'd actually be pretty cool. Um, Ring of Honor tried their hand at it; they were somewhat successful, but they don't really have enough people. At least they don't seem like they have enough people to keep it moving. But All Elite Wrestling seems like they're doing this one right. They're really. Uh, Really putting it together really well. Um, I will say that if if I had to pick a team right now, I think that uh, SCU's got a great opportunity. And, and quite frankly, I think that they could be the, the team that ends up being tag champs. Um, outside of that, I mean, Luchasaurus, I, I, I've talked about him quite a bit at every show we do, but I, I feel like he's another guy truly that just has – an innate ability. Now we haven't really ha- heard him talk much, though. So promo wise, I don't know where he stands. But as far as in the ring, he's pretty, pretty good. What? And I'm getting ta- taunted by my kids as they're trying to eat cheeses. Really, just open the bag. It's not that hard. Just open the bag. Open it. Oh my god. But Daddy ate them all. They're gone. Right, right. Live radio here. This is what we get. We get Daddy opening Cheez-Its. When did we get a cat? When did we get a what? A cat. 
No, it's not a cat. It's just a cackling Kara. No, like in the... <laughs> Stop. All right. What's Jeez. next? The guys are driving themselves nuts. Put, put your kids in the closet. Really? I'm going to knock my kids up with muzzles. All right, so we go from a very fun six-man tag to a very serious, but a, I think, and you guys would have to uh, tell me where you stand, like, a, I think this could have been match of the night. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and call it match of the night. Kenny Omega taking on the debuting for All Elite Wrestling, the bastard. Pac. Pac. That guy. Pac. <laughs> Pac. Welcome aboard, Pac. <laughs> <laughs> um, this matchup was hard-hitting. There was psychology to it that really, it was, it was to me, it really told a story of, you know, uh, we're going to surprise you here. It, it, it just, you thought, because the way that Kenny Omega was in this match and as aggressive as he was, all right, finally Kenny Omega is going to start his winning streak. We're going to see this all turn around. But the way it ended, man, I... I felt like, and, and we talked about this quite a bit last night, it really seemed to me like legitimately Kenny Omega got choked out last night. I mean, I liked the match. I thought the match was awesome. I mean, yeah. it was fast-paced. Um, you never knew what was going to happen, all the different finishes. You know, I mean, they're like, when's he going to hit it? When's he going to hit the, the, the trigger? Oh, oh, he hit it. He hit it again. Oh, he hit it again. You know, but um, I thought that move on the outside where Pac, Pac, Pickle, whatever. Call um, him his call him his new name. Devil Pac. Um, <laughs> Neville Pac. <Jimmy> uh, <laughs> FKA Neville. There we go. Um, <laughs> fell out hit his leg on the railing i thought the match was done i was like dude that was that's a shattered chin um but then they went on for another 20 minutes after that you know so yeah um kenny omega's facial expressions when he wrestles that just shows you the ring psychology the man has you know always on in the match uh so i agree match of the night Brian, thoughts on Omega and Pac? Pac? Bastard? The guy? Alright. Um, so I think that was probably the best AEW's put out yet as far as a match. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that we got Omega and Pac uh, if we couldn't get Omega and Moxley. Uh, I think that truly gave um, the viewing audience a taste of what Omega is capable of. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Pac, but um, you know, there's a reason Omega's been getting all these five and five and a half and six stars matches. Um, and I think he showed it last night. Yeah, there was, there was a huge focus on, on what 
both guys bring to the table and what you could really, really see from their matches going forward. Because with the six-man tag that Kenny Omega was in previous to this, and then with his matchup against Jericho, to me it just it felt like it you didn't get the full vision of what Kenny Omega is capable of. And then last night with him versus with him versus Pac, just watching the two of them go back and forth, trade holds, you know, really matching each other for each high spot that was done. And then when it came down to the ending, it, you finally got a clear chance to see just how good Kenny Omega really, really is. Um, and the ability for him to sw- kind of switch it up is a little uncanny because you, you see a lot of guys go out there, and, and I think Jericho is a lot like this, that are able to switch it up and, and work from kind of a high spot stance to just working the ground game and keep keeping somebody in a hold to brawling to, I mean, it just seamless um, and just very, very entertaining overall. But yeah, this matchup, I could watch it again and again. Yeah. Um, Again, I I, I think that match kind of should quiet all the doubters, all the bobbleheads. Um, because if you can find me a WWE match of that caliber in the last, in this year, I, you know, I'll entertain the argument, but I don't think you can. Would you consider, uh, Omega and Pac to be maybe match of the year candidate? Uh, Yeah. Uh, especially uh, on the American scene. Uh, I'm not going to try and quantify, you know, Japan or anything like that because I haven't watched any New Japan this year. Um, But on the American scene, I I would say that's... If you can can show me one better, you know, again, we we can have the discussion. And I'm, you know, I, I'm not just saying that because I'm a huge Omega fan. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I've been touting this guy for years. But, you know, you had everything in this match that you could want for. You know, the the possibility of serious injury, the from the facial expressions to the high spots to the to the strong style to you know, the the suspense, you know, there's no doubt we all thought Omega was going to win, especially there at the end. Mm-hmm. Only have Pac, you know, <laughs> steal, steal the victory from us. You know, I'm a, I'm a little upset personally because, uh, <laughs> you know, Kenny should have won, by God. <laughs> I mean, there was a definite feeling that, all right, this is how Kenny Omega turns us around. He he starts his win streak here kind of thing. And for all intents and purposes, most of the matchup, Kenny Omega was in control. It was mm-hmm. it was Pac working from underneath and coming back and turning this matchup around. And then when he locked in the brutalizer, I mean, first off, how how twisted is that hold? 
I mean, outside of maybe because uh, it really reminded me of when AJ Lee used to hit that that octopus hold she used to do, and she, I think she called it the Black Widow. Um, but that was it was that synced in, and, and then as Omega is going down trying to fight his way out of the hold, when he tucked his chin in there. I mean, first off, the camera guys did a great job of making sure the way it came off, he was he was out. You had nothing. I mean, he was out cold, dead stick. You know, it was just, it, it really, and then the crowd, the, the hush of the crowd when it happened was, man, that was palpable. It was, it was a very powerful victory for Pat. Yeah, and, you know, again, maybe... Because it did look like he was out. You know, maybe this was one of those cases where he went down too far. Yeah. And he knocked himself out. Had to go with what they had. You know, but um, that's a nasty move. You know, but Kenny, you should know better. Next time, fall backwards. Yeah. Or something. I. You know what? That would have even been a been a a cool finish if he had gone backwards and, and just kept him cradled up for the for the pinfall. Mm. Yeah. Although the way he was locked in, he was gonna he was going out one way or the other. Whether he liked it or not, Kenny Omega was not escaping that hold. <laughs> and, and again I, I think what whatever may have happened, I think when when he was slowly moving forward, you know, if he did go out he cut you know, he probably could have so. Blood supply off. He just went down a little too far. Well, I mean, Ed was almost on the mat at one time with Pack on the back. Yeah. Rob, were you surprised when you when Pack came out on top of this matchup? Yes. Yes, but then my thing was like, like you all were talking about, you know, like Kenny has gone been on the the losing end since his really his AEW debut. And eventually he was going to get his due, and then it's still, you know. So how does this play into the Moxley storyline is what I'm thinking. Like, all right, you know, how Moxley can spin this. Like, see, I told you you were a loser or something like that, you know. But yeah, um, great match. Uh, not the way I thought it was going to end. I thought for sure he was going to flip him around and then pin him. Like, you know, Pac had him in that that hold at the end and how he went down, I figured he was just going to roll over and then do a roll up and pin Pac, but mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Yeah. I, I like your, uh, your take on what they can do with Moxley. I mean, with the way that Omega came off with his promo, which I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face. That was the best Kenny Omega promo all year long, all year long period. Just, he lit John Moxley up from beginning to end, and when he was talking about like yeah. you know, when you went to the tournament in Japan, how'd you do? Did you win? Well, I did first try. I mean, it was just like, jeez, it was yeah. it was. Money. Oh, you win a little tournament, nice for you. Did you win? <laughs> you got a little boo boo on your elbow. Yeah, I mean, it was just. I I really feel like this is a great opportunity, and and maybe it's just the we've gotten so used to seeing great heel turns when it comes to these guys. 
that we're just waiting, we're longing for, you know, just a great heel turn. We'll, we'll talk more about what we thought was going to happen as far as heel turns a little bit later on. But, I mean, Kenny Omega is being set up for, in my opinion, um, most likely he's going to be their top guy as they go forward, but they're trying to make sure people understand and maybe resonate a little bit better with him on a on a uh, a fan level. Maybe that's what they're doing, and and I'm speculating here because I really can't think for well, what they're doing. So I I I think you know because we've talked about the the not so stellar record of the best in the world right now. Yeah, and and I think a a lot of it probably has to do with the fans more than anything else. You know, if they just come out and push him right to the top, I think it's going to sour certain people. Um, and a lot, I'll lay money. There are probably a lot of people, not necessarily the ones in attendance based off of the shirts, but I'll lay money. There's a lot of the audience that has never seen Kenny before W. You yeah, know, to me, he could, he might be like in the old days where you would pick up Pro Wrestling Illustrated and you would hear about Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what well, AWA champion? You know, you had Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan, Rick Martel, and one time those were like the big three. And if you didn't get AWA. The only thing you knew about Rick Martell is what Bill Abner put in the magazine. And I, I think Omega may be a little bit like that because I know full well there aren't but so many people in the States that pay attention to New Japan. Well, I think that they're also, you know, like to Brian's point, you know, everybody assumed that as soon as Kenny Omega signed, then obviously it would be Kenny Omega for the world title. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, I mean, come on now. He's the biggest name right now, I think, that they, one of, I would say the biggest, but one of the biggest they've got. So you thought it would be easily Jericho versus Omega for the world title. Omega versus Cody for the world title. But, you know, they threw a curve in it, put Hangman Page up there. But, you know, I have a feeling that what they could be doing is setting up this whole you know, Kenny lost. Kenny lost again. And now then he challenges for the world title. And they're like, oh, well, he hasn't. He doesn't have a real good record here in AEW. And, oh, boom. Then he wins. Blows the roof off, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I kind of see it more like a um, Tommy Dreamer type thing. He's going to... He's going to lose until that crowd is solidly behind him. And then they're just going to push that button and he's just going to rock it right through. Because I I think this is also being done for the benefit of the WWE. Mm -hmm. They're going to try and create a true megastar with Omega. Um, And I don't think you can do it you know, uh, like Hulk Hogan in in today's society. You know what I'm saying? You kind of need somebody more like a Ric Flair who's 
has no problem going out there and losing. You yeah. know, if it, if it makes sense. Uh, I think that that's what they're pushing for is to be the first. He'll be the next megastar. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much benefit to having him there, but I, I happen to agree with you. I think they're doing it more along the lines of the benefit of the fans that just don't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. So they're giving them that exposure to, this is what this guy can do with anyone. Like, this is what he's capable of. This is how he can talk. This is, And every little piece that they put together for him at the end of this, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a point where they say, okay, now's the time. And they, they make the change, and then you're going to see Kenny Omega at the head of the pack. But for right now, he doesn't have to be. Right. Will, he, will he be there? Absolutely. I think that's a, almost a given. But right now, he doesn't have to be. And you've got so many different tremendous talents that you could tell stories with right now. Um, it almost doesn't matter where you put Kenny Omega on the card. At least right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, the, other, the other thing, too, is maybe they want to see how good AEW is without him at the top right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if they continue to grow, then people are going to watch. You know, people are watching. And great, we have Kenny Omega, but we don't necessarily have to put him up at the top and leave them there. You know, if the ratings start to dip or, you know, the the crowd support wanes a little bit, then you put them up there. And, you know, they'll get it back pretty quick. Well, plus there's also that, that consideration of, okay, so all of these guys, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody, and uh, Christopher Daniels, they're all in VP positions. So there is the question of do these guys want to be putting themselves over, so to speak? And I, I kind of think that when it comes down to it and when they're looking at, okay, this is what we're going to do, they truly are wondering, okay, does this make sense for it to happen this way? Not, you know, hey, I'm Kenny Omega, damn it. I should be winning every match. It's yeah. does it make sense for me to win here tonight? Does it make well, sense in a story? Yeah, ain't none of them. Got the you know, all of them have losses. Yeah, um, don't they? Yeah, Cody all of them has, have high profile losses. Cody well, lost, I think right, with the charge, didn't he? Uh, I'm looking that up right now. He beat Dustin. Yeah, he beat Dustin, but the last one with the chair shot. Or. That was after the match, wasn't it? Did he beat Darby and then he got hit? Yeah, I think it was. (laughs) Okay, now look, I'm not accusing him of it, but I'm just saying, how funny would it be if Cody's the only one of them that never loses? I mean it more as a joke than anything else. It would be funny. Did they lose to the Bucks in the tag match? Yes. Uh, Yes, they did. So... I mean, so it looks like all of them at least have one loss. Um, the Bucks may um, have two. What two? Uh, they got the one last night. They lost last night. Yeah. Did they lose that six man? They lost that six man, didn't they? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. 
I think maybe they're going with the philosophy of, you know what, they're trying to show people that, you know, the old school mindset of having the book was then you have the belt or your friends have the belt, you know, right. and, oh, well, you know, I got the book, I'm in charge, so I'm going to make myself the champ. And I think one of the things they're trying to set out early is that they're doing this and they're going to have a status quo and a business model that doesn't involve with them necessarily being in the title picture. Cody shows as two and one. I'm I'm almost positive they're counting that tag loss in his win loss record. Um, Adam Page is three and one. Cody is two and one. Kazarian two and two. So yeah, they're including all of their tag matches here. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say that they're following pretty strictly to what they said they were going to do. And what do they have, Omega? Just just so I can. Oh drop. and two. Oh and twelve. I don't know. No, Omega is he like one, one and something. He's two and two. Is he two and two? Oh. Right, but they're. Throw, I mean, you got to look at the tag team thing, the six man. Yeah. And, but I think that's okay. I mean, we we're what we're seeing here is as long as they don't get crazy with it. You know, as long as it's not like, hey, you know what else? I think I need to beat. Uh, I think I need to beat Tony Khan tonight. Oh wait, no, I think I need to beat Cody tonight. You know, I, as long as they don't get stupid with it. I don't have a problem with it, as long as it makes sense. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, listen to what they say, that wins and losses do mm-hmm. matter. So, with them taking losses, you know, that, that kind of says something for them that it's not necessarily about them. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, I said it about Cody, but it was really a joke, but... They do have this essence about them where it's very unselfish, where they right. just want to see the business grow and do well. They they don't truly behave in any kind of fashion outside of professional. So, I mean, I want to be clear. I don't want anyone to think that anyone here on this show thinks that because none of us do. Stop um, what you say. I know. It's just I, – I almost did it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go from from what I consider match of the night to uh, a, a triple threat match called the Cracker Barrel Clash. What a great name for a matchup. <laughs> the Cracker Barrel Clash. Joey Janela, Darby Allen, and uh, the master of the staple gun, I guess, <laughs> Jimmy Havoc. These guys, how do you describe this match, Brian? I'm not even sure how I would describe it. Uh, I don't know how you describe it either. Uh, a train, a train wreck, controlled train wreck, maybe. Um, a train wreck I, with a I, car accident with a daredevil. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah, uh, I do think that this was kind of. The start of the lull for the pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't get like so crazy and over the top that they could have. Yeah. Um, I was a little thankful for that. But by God, when you get them three in the ring, I want to see a bloodbath. Well, you say they didn't get crazy, but you know, don't rem- don't forget the whole like uh, we're gonna put thumbtacks in your mouth and then tape your mouth shut. 
Well, yeah, but you can't. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> the skateboard with the thumbtacks. It was, yeah, that was, that was quite, insane. Uh, yeah. No, but my, even my 12-year-old daughter saw Havoc spit the tacks out when they went to tape him the second time. I completely missed him spitting him out. I assumed he was gonna, but I didn't. I didn't see him do it. Well, he never really opened his mouth. Like if you saw, they were pouring it down. Then they had the camera angle where he kind of kept his mouth shut, and then it was like, oh, then he spit some. But you know, I mean, you forget they used a staple gun within the first ten minutes. I mean, he staple gunned himself. <laughs> yeah, but if you notice though, they never showed any staples. <laughs> That's true. Uh, or blood trails or anything like that. From or blood. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you hear the names and you're like, well, by God, this is going to get good. And then you don't even see the staple. <laughs> so. Or the paper cut from the laminated piece of paper. Guys, I am seeing a breaking news thing here. Um, I apologize for the interruption here, but it is Casey Catanzaro. The uh, previous winner of American Ninja Warrior. Ricochet's girlfriend. Yep. Finishing up her run with WWE. Uh, apparently an injury to the to her back. And that she had some displaced discs. And that, as they say, is that. It appears that she is actually done. Wow. That just came across the wire. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. You might have wanted to should have probably paid her to sit at home and heal up. Yeah, because if she heals up proper, you could easily pick her up, and she could be really, really good. Well, you know, there is a pretty strong women's division down in Florida right now. I'm just saying, you know, there's a few different divisions out there that, uh, you know, she could fit in just about anywhere she goes. If she went to Impact, if she went to... Ring of Honor, or, you know, if she just happened to show up at an AEW event. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, and then that just comes to mind that should her and Oral Ricochet really be that close? And, you know, and he, the question is, how happy is he? <laughs> <laughs> what would it take, Ricochet, for you to show up on my show right now? <laughs> How many zeros need to be on the check? <laughs> Dude, could you imagine a match with him and, uh, and Pac? Oh, I imagine he's got I imagine he's got a few of those little hash marks in his paycheck or his contract. Yeah. That goes to those other pages in the contract of um, will be automatically extended if management agrees without <laughs> considering you, you know, like, well, you like know, what they did to Matt Hardy, you know? There's He's a, like, oh, I'm going to hit the Indies soon. I'm going to hit the Indies. Oh, never mind. I got another year. <laughs> There's a uh, a no fire rule going on right now, where unless you're in there and you quit, you ain't getting released. That is, <laughs> that is the going rumor right now, that you're not getting fired. So, so is that why Peyton Royce did her little shout out to her husband on her official WWE Twitter page, Twitter yep. handle? Yep. It's it's so silly to me, but they they're really gonna they're really gonna wish this never happened. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, the Cracker Barrel Clash ends after, uh, jeez, 
there was a superplex from Jimmy Havoc to Joey Janela going through an actual barrel. And then he hits a splash onto Janela through a barrel. Um, Darby Allen does the coffin drop with a barrel. I mean, I, I think... Oh, yeah, there was even a tray of biscuits from Cracker Barrel that got used. Such a waste of the tray of biscuits. I know, right? What the heck? You could have put... People? Like, they should have stuck the biscuit in his mouth, then duct taped his mouth. <laughs> Did you, so, I, I think maybe line of the night. I don't know if you guys caught it, but I, I was... I did catch it on a replay um, on YouTube where JR says, do it for the biscuit kid. (laughs) (laughs) JR had a couple classic JR moments last night, so. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, So we go from the Cracker Barrel Clash to the Dark Order versus the Best Friends. Um... All right, just to kind of give you the layout, this matchup gave the winning team a first-round bye in the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament. At this point, is anybody left in the first round? I'm just saying. Uh, Dark Order. Young Bucks. Oh, are they even in the tournament? How can they? I mean, how could they not be? I mean, <laughs> that's a fair statement. <laughs> Can't have one of the best tag teams, period, like not be in the tournament. Um, okay, so this matchup honestly wasn't bad. I didn't dislike it, but it it did slow down, and I think Brian made a good point. This kind of carried over the lull in the crowd. Um, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T, you know, I'm not big fans of them, but I, I do kind of like what the Dark Order is doing. So I was I was happy to see the Dark Order win, but there's still that that whole thing where kind of like what Brian said earlier, it just seems like the Dark Order is a little bit, or maybe it was Rob uh, that said, you know, that, that the Dark Order is like a few steps behind the rest of the talent on the roster. That was Brian, but I think if I'm not mistaken, you picked um, Chuck the best friends, didn't you? Uh, no, sir. I picked the Dark Order. And I still maintain uh, that that's how they should be announced every time they come to the ring. Someone's got to do their best Chancellor Palpatine impression and say, the Dark Order. Sounds more like Lord Voldemort. The Dark Order. <laughs> Either way, it's got to be a much more evil sound. <laughs> Guys, anything stand out for you as far as this tag match? Uh, the creation of another six-man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true, especially when you you look at freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy making his All Elite Wrestling debut, his official debut. Not necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily call his uh, buy-in Battle Royal appearance a debut you as know, much. Make sure that after we give Rob a chance at this match that we back up a little bit to the triple threat match and quite possibly the spot of the night. Okay. So, with that, Rob, what was your breakdown on this matchup? Was there any high points, low points that you really saw here? I thought it was the lowest point of the night. Oh, wow. 
when it came to matches. I mean, it was just, I thought the Dark Order came out and they kind of, and then um, the reveal was kind of like, hey, look, who is this guy? And then it was like, okay. <laughs> um, so you weren't sold. But, no, I didn't, but so. All right. Well, I I would kind of agree as far as the the pace of this matchup. It definitely seemed to take the wind out of the sails of the fans, at least for a little bit. But I was kind of happy to see the Dark Order continue to win. But, Brian, we'll go ahead and, and go to you going back a little bit and saying about the possibly the uh, spot of the night. Oh, there's no doubt this was the spot of the night. So, if you're familiar with AEW... On the Twitter, you got to be familiar with Mr. Cornette. Oh, on no. On Twitter. <laughs> and the ruthless bashing that he does with AEW and Omega and the Bucks and all this. And you also got to be familiar with the fact that, like, uh, AEW likes to take jabs at other people. So... In the spot of the night, in my opinion, is when Joey Janela, no stranger to Mr. Cornette, goes under the ring, pulls down a tennis racket, looks at it for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then proceeds to just toss it. (laughs) Instead of even using the thing, he just literally says, no, I not going to use this. Well, don't forget the fact that he faked like he was going to throw up when he was looking at it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, again, it's just stuff like that that's going to keep him in the news because I'm sure Cornette probably had a cornea because there's no doubt he was watching. I don't care what he says. Uh, you know, I'm sure that was turned on and he was watching intently and that rack had come out and Cornette was probably like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> Ma. <laughs> I'll say this. It was, uh, well, I put it to you this way. I asked Jim Cornette on Twitter. He's like, hey, <laughs> did you happen to see? And I haven't gotten a response yet. But he hasn't blocked me yet, so there's still time. <laughs> yeah, I was that fan. Everybody always gets upset when you when you comment like that. Why do you tag him in that? Because I want to know his answer, dummy. It's a real question. What did you think of it? You know, if he's going to get mad, great. If he doesn't get mad, okay. I don't care. I'm not, like, trying to upset him. I'm not trying to insult him. <laughs> but people were... I literally did get three mentions in, from online last night. Why did you tag him? Why does anybody tag anybody? I want him to read it. I want him to answer me. And I'll be on and, my way. Yeah. <laughs> In the way that only Jim Cornette could answer you. Right, right. Thank you, F you, and bye. (laughs) And I'd have been okay with that. Don't get me wrong. If he had told me to, you know, pound sand, I'd have been fine. Because it it was a response. I don't care if a guy yells at me or not. I mean, I would probably look him dead in the face and say, hey, I don't necessarily agree with you, but, you know, you're still, like, one of the best of all time, and I respect the heck out of you. Because that's the truth. But whatever. Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads everywhere. Alright, so Orange Cassidy makes his debut, and 
Okay, so when the lights first went out, did you guys have any thought that there would be anyone else? Um, I thought the lights went out. I wasn't even expecting anybody. You just thought it was like a a mess up with the lights? No, not necessarily a mess up with the lights, but the dark order and the lights go out on the dark order. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does. Dark order that, you know. So, you know, that was my thought process. It didn't didn't necessarily have to be anybody. It's just the dark order and the lights go out. How about you, Rob? Do you think it was going to be anybody else? No, I mean, I thought it was going to be somebody more than who it was. (laughs) And I just was like, oh, came back on. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it would have been cool for... It would have been cool for, like you all said, somebody with the Dark Order or some, you know, just somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, story out of this matchup is Rob's not sold on Orange Cassidy at all. <laughs> He's like, yeah, all right, whatever. It's like, is that an accurate paraphrasing? I mean, I've been wrong before, so maybe I'm wrong again, but I just was like, oh, whoopee. <laughs> Well, the name of the game's reaction. It's kind, of, so. it's kind of like during the Monday Night Wars when they're like, who's going to be the new person for MWO? Oh, it's Virgil. <laughs> He's thinking Olive Garden. So we go from the Dark Order making the uh, making their advancement in the Tag Team Championship Tournament, Orange Cassidy making his debut to the other half of the women's championship matchup for October 2nd being decided as Hikaru Shida took on Riho. Good news is we got a chance to hear how to pronounce the names. Bad news is this matchup, uh, it had to follow a match that kind of got the, got the audience quiet. So they had their work cut out for them, but I thought this match was actually pretty good. And there were a couple of points where it felt like, uh, Maybe these two ladies were a little bit nervous, or maybe they just had a couple of miscues, or whatever the case may be. But I felt like they they rebounded very well and got the crowd involved. And uh, coming out on top was Riho, who will face off with Nyla Rose. Um, as we said earlier, a 98-pound Riho going up against Nyla Rose, who uh, I guess it's improper to really quote on what her weight is, isn't it? Boy, I'm at a quandary and a conundrum right now. 98 pounds. Yeah, yeah. We we just listed that. Okay. uh, Okay, Rob, what did you think of this women's matchup? I thought it was fast-paced. I mean, I thought it was good. Um, I thought the person I figured was going to win didn't win, but it it sets up for an interesting David and Goliath kind of matchup down the road. Mm -hmm. Um. I did think that there was a couple missed spots, you know, and that's the thing with fast paced matches. Either you're going to hit it all or you're going to miss some. And what do people normally pick on the ones you miss, you know? Right. Right. But, uh, I mean, overall I thought it was well done. And, um, for two people I'd never seen before, it was good. So, 
all in all, so far, we're we're pretty positive on our reactions as far as how how it came off on television. I feel like uh, Riho did a pretty good job. Brian, were were you expecting Rio to come out on top? I'm gonna guess and say, say that, that was insightful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's he's either stepped away from the mic or he's hit mute. Um, the the matchup itself, again, as Rob mentioned, you know they did have a couple of spots where it got a little uncomfortable. One of which where uh, Rio was going for the pin that was just like, um, I don't think you're supposed to grab her there. Just yeah, saying. and yeah, the camera like, and the camera just starts zooming in. I'm like, all right, now this is just getting awkward. <laughs> There's got kids in the room. I mean, like, how do you describe this pinfall? Uh, you just lost your G rated. Yeah, right, right. It was a little too close for comfort there. Uh, but at, at the same point, I am curious as to how Nyla Rose and Riho comes off and, and how it appears on television. Um, I, I'm curious as to what will happen going forward. And if in fact this is Nyla Rose's big shot or are we going to get like a kind of like a Rey Mysterio feel where Nyla Rose gets caught off guard and, and that's where Riho becomes the first champ right oh my god you know um, looking at what the division has and what's coming down the pike I can see them putting it on Rio mm-hmm. what's her name Riho 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 um just because of the fast pace and stuff down the road, I'm right. not saying I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Nyla Rose. I'm just saying that's what I could see coming down the road. But um, maybe they're looking for that. Hey, you came to the mountaintop and now you're here. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it it really sets the interesting question for the for the future matches and stuff. So. Yeah, there, there's a a curiosity to this matchup where, first off, the way they're they're presenting it is almost like they're laughing in the faces of those fans that were like, why would you put Nyla Rose here? Why would you put Nyla Rose here? And now you're not going to have a choice because you're going to be watching October 2nd. It's almost a guarantee. And you're going to watch this match, and they're, they're going to get everything they want out of you before they crown a champ. So I feel like this one was um, – this match that they're setting up is going to be good. I am I am starting to wonder, though, if we're going to see, like, that surprise victory by Riho. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be... It's going to be something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, it says they have a... You know, they have a, a birth into the, 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 the match, you know, for October 2nd. That doesn't mean it's only going to be them, too. You know? Well, very true. There's still a lot I mean, of ground to cover between here and there. Yeah, I mean, one thing that being a wrestling fan these days has taught us is, you know, wait for the last minute swerve. Right. You know, what's going to, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Brandy Rhodes uh, announces a a fatal four-way. Right. Right. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we want you this match to be awesome. Yeah. This match is going to be now a triple quadruple threat match <laughs> underwater <laughs> a match in the On swimming fire <laughs> <laughs> with flames around the pool <laughs> yeah 
Or a flaming cage match. How about that? A flaming cage match. Oh, see, that reminds me of the back in the, you know, the old WCW, you know, <laughs> the torture chamber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the chamber of horrors where they had the electric chair in the middle. <laughs> and the top of the cage was electrified or whatever, you know? Yeah. Ugh, those were the days. Them was the days. Or back in the old, old days where they had the barbed wire match where they take the ropes down and the ropes were barbed wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was back when ECW was just crazy. <laughs> well, this was back before ECW. That was like AWA stuff, you know? AWA did barbed wire? Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the first, and to me, one of the bloodiest matches I've ever seen in my wrestling life was uh, Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning. Oh, yeah. And it was just... You know, Wasn't it their was title like match stopped because everywhere. of the amount of blood loss? They yeah. getting that confused with it on. Yeah, it was just blood everywhere. Ooh. Well, we go from finding out who's going to be in the women's championship matchup to a feud, a rivalry, possibly coming to an end. We'll see how it goes with the next few weeks, but it appears... Cody Rhodes and uh, Sean Spears' his story may have come to a close with this matchup. Cody and Sean Spears go head-to-head after Sean Spears leveled him with a chair to the head on the last event, which was uh, Fight for the Fallen. Um, Sean Spears comes out with Tully Blanchard in a like a, an ice kind of attitude, like an icy soul kind of thing with the, uh, the bright white contacts that he was wearing that was kind of a cool look yeah I mean I thought it was I mean Sean Spears definitely came out as a different you know he wasn't the perfect turn (laughs) but um, it was it was a good match hard hitting match from the get go Um, Cody came out looking the part that he is you know he is spent time and money in establishing the gimmick and the, the look he's got. Um, him coming out with the Star Trek theme, it was kind of... It was neat to a point, but then it also was like, what's the point? Does it make sense? Yeah, because it, initially, the the introduction or for, for Cody, the first thing you see, which wasn't bad at all, was Brandy Rhodes as... What did you say, Rob? Seven of Nine? Yes, seven of nine. So you see her first, and she's got Pharaoh. And then she starts walking, and you see Diamond Dallas Page in a red shirt. Then you see... Uh, to Brian screams, No, Diamond Dallas Page is a red shirt. <laughs> well, the red shirt usually means that's the guy that's not coming back. <laughs> um, and then, of course, in a kind of Captain Kirk-esque appearance was uh, MJF which I mean uh, Brian are you back with us yes so I think all of us were expecting MJF to be like the uh, con in this one dang you just left my Star Trek reference screw you guys well I mean I think it was cool because I mean if you think about MJF and he was there to watch Cody's back right right so him being a yellow is, you know, they were, and I'm going to show my dork side, but 
they were wearing, you know, the Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Next Generation type uniforms, which yellow meant security. Oh, so okay. You know, Cody had the yellow, the red for command. MJF had yellow for security. Okay. I didn't know that. Wow, learning something new here on Corner to Corner. Um, so I don't know much, but I know Star Trek. Sorry. <laughs> so as Cody comes to the ring, now the question becomes: All right, who's going to escort him to the ring? And it turns out that it's going to be. MJF being in his corner. So the matchup gets underway, and we get Cody and Sean Spears in a very old-school kind of... It, we joked about it the entire matchup. It reminded us of, like, of Sting versus Flair and just some of the, the, the mannerisms and some of the things we saw, complete with the, the Sting comeback and Stinger splash. Um, it was it, this matchup was actually very good, but I was really, really expecting to see, um, well, just something else happen. But it was cool to see some of the coolest parts. Um, how about Arn Anderson hitting the spinebuster on on uh, Sean Spears? See, that to me was one of the best parts of the night. When you had Tully out there kind of running and doing the old thing where every time you turn around, he was helping him cheat. He was taping up his fist. He was getting in the ring. He was, oh, wait a minute. You know, Sean can't whip Cody with his own belt. All right, well, then he took his belt off and handed it to him. You know, like, um, but for that one outed element for all of us old school fans of you expected Iron to come down and take take up for Tully. But for him to come down and to turn on Tully, basically like I'm taking up for Cody. It was kind of like, what? Yeah. And Tully sold it. Like it was, I can't believe it. I mean, the whole time just so devastated as he backtracks to the back, trying to figure out why aren't why, like, <laughs> why me? Arn, what? <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be like on the next uh, being the elite or road to, you know, TNT or whatever they call it. <laughs> if it's going to be why or and why. So, Brian, uh, your your thoughts on Cody and Sean Spears. Uh, so I thought it was a right match. Um, uh, um, wasn't uh, what I was expecting, I guess. To me, it didn't live up to what it should have been. So, that's me. Yeah, I mean, there there was a, a lot of good interaction in this matchup. To me, it felt very... Uh, very old school as to how they laid it out. And the ending where Cody Rhodes comes out on top after after taking an all-out assault from Sean Spears was good. I'm curious as to what happens next with Cody and what happens next with Sean Spears. How does Sean Spears, if you're, if you're in that role, what would you do to transition to your next feud? What do you mean transition? So does he... 
do you think we just get him and Cody again, or do you see him just taking out somebody else? Well, I mean, I think one thing that I've learned and I'm learning from AEW is they just don't do the one-off, like, hey, we had a pay-per-view and now it's over. You know, there could be a multiple storyline with this. Like, Cody won, but, you know, obviously Iron coming out, you know, MJF or whatever, you know, we all expected MJF to turn on Cody at the end, which didn't happen. But it could in the in the long run, I mean, Tully, like Brian has been talking about wanting to, you know, a faction Tully. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have MJF and Sean Spears and it's in a faction. I saw a comparison today when it came to MJF and Cody and how their relationship is. And they they made it similar to how Sting and Lex Luger was in the in the mid-90s, 95, 96, where Luger was the bad guy and Sting was the good guy. And for whatever reason, you know, everything else that MJF does from here is going to be bad guy stuff unless he's involved with Cody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I guess, but maybe they're going to pull the trigger on a phase turn early. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they've got more money with him with uh, in his bad guy role, but we'll see, how, we'll see what happens next. We go to the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks in the AAA World Tag Team Championship. In the Escalera de la Muerte. And this was... That translates to, oh my god, this is going to (laughs) rock. This matchup was a lot of things. There was... There was brutality. There was uh, Lucha Libre style wrestling. There was definitely a super kick party. I mean, what Young Bucks match is going to happen without a super kick party? And then, of course, there was also just just some oh my god kind of moments that you just weren't prepared for including the way that this matchup built up to its ending I know there was rumor that um, that Phoenix had hurt his leg or hurt his knee Ray Phoenix and the way he performed there was absolutely no sign of any injury that we could see yeah um Came out what last week? Uh huh. And then the um, promoter come out and said no, he was okay. Um, but yeah, there was no no signs of any lingering injury. No, he was he was all over the ring. His performance was pretty well spot on. You really, really couldn't tell. So, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I'm glad to see that he was healthy and able to perform at a very, very high level. Um, I wasn't really sure who I felt was going to win this match 100%. I believe I picked the Young Bucks. Um, I think we might have all picked the Young Bucks. Mm-mm. Did you pick the Lucha Brothers? Mm, I think somebody did based off of the titles probably going back to Mexico. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have that discussion of, yeah, 
how is this matchup going to result because the tag championships are getting ready to be decided for all elite and AAA is going to want their belts back which um, at the end result hey the Lucha Brothers come out on top winning the championships back and now they'll go back to AAA but I'm curious as to see where this puts the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers in the way of the tag team tournament because with so many tag teams and the focus really being on tag team wrestling right now, to me it's really anybody's guess, especially when you consider what happens after this matchup ends. I mean, I I foresee this being probably, if not the finals for the tag team tournament, Definitely the semifinals of the tag team tournament. Yeah, there was there was so much that's been done with these teams that y- you have to know, you have to feel like you know what's what's the next round going to look like. You know, this time they did uh, the ladders and tables and chairs versus uh, maybe next time it's steel cage, which could be insane. Yeah, so I don't think you're going to see this again for a while. I don't think they'll meet the tournament at all. So you think this is kind of the end of them facing off for a little while? Yeah, for a while. Um, Based off of the way it ends. So... And Clinton and whoever the other one was. Yeah, so the matchup itself ends after um, one of the Young Bucks attempts to yank off, uh, successfully yanks off Pentagon Jr.'s mask. And, you know, seemingly the entire crowd just turns on the Bucks right at that same time as soon as that mask comes off. And it was a very subtle kind of thing because before that point, it was a very split crowd as far as the crowd being behind the Bucks and being behind the Lucha Brothers. But then when Matt or Nick grabs the mask off of Pentagon Jr., the entire crowd switches sides, and now they are all behind the Lucha Brothers. But the Lucha Brothers managed to to rebound and come back with multiple just putting the bucks through multiple tables at different points. And at one point, uh, I want to say it was Matt Jackson that – went through two tables, but ends up going through one table, and the other table hits him right square in the head. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. Well, it's also his foot. You saw it, his foot, as he came off the rope, His uh, the, t- the ladder, his foot caught the top rope, mm-hmm. which then kind of threw him from going out to just going straight down and kind of doing the best he can with what he's got. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you know there's always a certain level of danger and risk involved with matchups like this one. And, you know, Matt Jackson, he had his wrist was all cut up. One of the metal pieces that was from the bottom of the table was seemingly wrapped around his head from the way he landed. Um, it was just, it was ridiculous. But, indeed, the matchup... The victory, victors of the matchup was the Lucha Brothers. And then after the matchup, two guys come down to the ring wearing uh, JFK and Bill Clinton masks. As they get to the ring, they put the boots to both the Young Bucks and to the Lucha Brothers. They take the masks off, and we get to see, for the first time in an AEW ring, 
Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX, making their debut, and they were referred to by Excalibur as the Bariquas. So it seems like they've already got a name lined up. Mm, I don't know if I'd be using that as close as that is to uh, the Los Bariquas from the WWE. So I don't, I, I don't know if that's their if that would be their name or not, they may get into trouble over that one. Well, that's right. WWE most likely still owns that that trademark. I didn't even think of that. And who is crackling? Somebody's crackling. Typing or tapping or something. It's not me this time. It's not my typing. (laughs) But yeah, um... So, I don't know what their name will be, but I would imagine, in my book, that's your first tag team champion. That would actually be pretty cool. I didn't really think of them as the first champs, but that actually could work out. Yeah, I, I think they'll be your first. So, just because they'll be the heel team... Uh, give somebody, you know, like the Bucks an opportunity to chase them or, you know, uh, any any of the other tag teams can chase them for a while. So, with this matchup, we did have our, uh, our bet on the time and then how long it was going to go. The match itself did go... The, the listing there was right at 21 minutes, so, again... Brian gets a impossible burger or something. You know, gotta gotta live up to our our agreement. Right. I still think you gotta be close enough without going over. So that's me. <laughs> all right, it's not Bob Barker; it's Rob Barker. He went over. Don't matter. <laughs> yeah, good luck convincing him to go. So, we go from the ladder match, which, I mean, tag team wrestling in AEW is ridiculously healthy. You're not going to get past that ever. WWE's got a lot to learn from how they do it. Um, To the crowning of the first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Now, to really set the table for this matchup, you had to take a look at the journey from both guys, and this is where I wanted to give credit where it's due. AEW put together a tremendous amount of highlight packages, and they made sure they were just the right length so they weren't spending 10, 15 minutes setting up for it. It was, you know, two to three minutes at the max, and you got the gist of the highlights and got to catch up, and they were able to clean up the ring and be ready for your main event. I really liked how they did that, and I feel like the production crew for All Elite Wrestling, not just for this matchup, but just overall, um, they're ahead of the game. They could be leading the way. Their production? Yeah, as far as camera work, um, highlight reels. Well, let's... uh, I say we cover the match and then we can talk all day long about who does and doesn't do production right WWE 
I mean, I was impressed with the turnaround of the from the cleaning of the previous match. I knew there was going to be some kind of lead in to give them time to clean up because of the fact that there was broken tables and debris everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that when they came, when they got done, you know, the video package and the few and the talking that they did, it wasn't long until they were like, all right, and now here's the, here's the main event. And also they, you know, they set the standard that they're like, Oh, we're not, it's a pay-per-view. We'll go as long as we want to. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's just it. They, they gave this matchup a lot of time. Adam page comes out to the ring now, I remember reading that Paige had stated he was going to, if he won the world championship, he was going to leave on a horse with the title. Um, and, of course, Jericho, in his lead-up, in his build-up for this matchup, saying he has to win, he can't lose. If he loses, his legend dies, which you know was really strongly worded, but came off very well in the promos. These two guys went toe-to-toe and just brawled, just fought it out. There was, um, you know, some some holds in them in between to really kind of sell the, the psychology and the pain that Adam Page was going through. And at the same time, you got these moments where it really, really looked like Adam Page was going to come out on top. But in what I consider to be a bit of a surprise, um, as Adam Page is on his way to victory, in my opinion, with the dead eye, Jericho kicks out, and then as he attempts to go for the buckshot one more time, Jericho levels him with the Judas effect. And let's put this in proper perspective. Chris Jericho has made a back elbow smash into a finishing move. Let that sink in for a second. Are there any guys you can think of that can make a back elbow just devastating in the form of a finish, but uh, Chris Jericho did it, and with it, Chris Jericho becomes All Elite Wrestling's first ever world heavyweight champion, and uh, a really great matchup between these two. Um, the The match itself was, was tremendous. Did you... Do you come away from this matchup feeling like All Elite Wrestling has a long-term plan with what they want to do going forward with this title? Well, I think they 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 came. I came across it from this match saying that they wanted to cement their their place. They wanted to put their stamp on the world and say, "Hey, we're here." And how better to do that than put your belt on somebody who's a legend in other places? You know, um, kind of. I'm not taking anything away from a hangman page, but this is how we're going to do it. Um, that, you know, they're putting it on Chris Jericho that has the lineage in different promotions all around the world. And, and to some that may give it legitimacy, mm-hmm. but neither one Adam page is nothing to be ashamed of in this match. This match was from the get go was high paced and was, you know, he deserved to be there, and it's no—it's no doubt in my mind that he will have that belt eventually in AEW. Yeah, I agree. I think there's the sky's the limit for Adam Page. When you look at just what they're doing and how they're building this company, it was clear that they had a plan. On, from what I could tell, 
Brian, did you feel like they had a, a solid plan when they when they came out and Jericho ends up the champion? Well, I, I think they've had a plan since the beginning. Um, they've been calculating what they've done um, this whole time. I was a little shocked they went with Jer- uh, Jericho. Um, I figured that uh, they'd uh, give Paige the the rub there, but uh, it's not like you can go wrong with Jericho. Uh, he is this, you know, the the star. You know, he's got the name recognition. He's got his own band for Pete's sake. Um, so, you know. I guess they pulled the wool over all their eyes. Went with uh, Jericho. Sorry, I'm rewatching part of that match where he gets handed the the object. He, yeah, the, the bad handoff. <laughs> yeah, that was. If there was a flub or any kind of whatever you want to call it, I, I think that's really the only one that I noticed. And that one was just kind of glaring because when um, Aubrey Edwards, when she reaches out from you know the middle rope and just does what she does, the the all of us, the three of us, were like, "Up, oh, we know what's going on." And there, <laughs> we had our, we had our kids sitting with us watching, and. We we all kind of looked at each other like just knowing what was about to go down and what was about to happen. It was it was real <laughs> at that moment. We knew, and then of course because Jericho had just taken the uh, rolling elbow uh, to the to the eye. So when he goes outside, and Aubrey just kind of reaches out there like she did it in a way where she was trying to make it look like she was checking on him, but it was still a fairly obvious handoff. And, and then when Jericho comes back wearing the, to quote Gordon Sully, proverbial crimson mask, it was uh, it was definitely a a moment there that we all were like, well, we know how this is gonna go. And then the guys started saying I was gonna pass out, and then it got a little, you know, I don't remember what happened after that. You guys have to tell me. Tell you what. What happened? Mm, wow! Just a joke. You didn't watch it. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I guess I uh, that that joke didn't go well. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, <clears throat> moving on. So Jericho manages to rebound from, uh, you know, from the rolling elbow that he took from Page, turns it around, and like I said, when he levels Page with that Judas effect elbow, um. I would say I was surprised that they went with Jericho. I don't think it's a poor decision, but there, I will say this. Um, the, there is, as we've noticed, when it comes to reactions on social media, you're going to get all sorts and all types. But if you're the one guy that I would not feel like they should be reacting at all, at least publicly, would be Baron Corbin. But, uh, yeah, Baron apparently feels like uh, he has a role to play in this. So Baron comes out there and says, you know, you complained about WWE giving the same guys the same opportunities and the same chances. 
and putting the belts on old guys rather than the young guys. But this is what you get with AEW. And then he called all the fans crybabies. So, do that again? Say that again? <laughs> so, Baron Corbin goes on, uh, I believe this was his, uh, an Instagram post. Basically calls out fans for complaining that WWE does the same thing. You know, puts the belt on old guys and gives only the same guys the opportunities instead of the young guys. And just basically says, you know, hey, you're seeing the same thing that WWE does, but you're going to call this great? Question mark, question mark. And then he calls all the wrestling fans crybabies. Well, you know... He's a crybaby, so, you know, he, he takes one to no one, I guess. <laughs> um, wow. Just wow. Uh, I understand that, you know, he should be loyal to where he's at and all. Mm-hmm. But why don't you... Uh, call me when you win your first world title instead of being the GOAT and putting another title to your name. I mean, mean, he gets one win in the tournament. He gets one win in the tournament, and now he's all of a sudden the world champ. Instead of doing what good business would have been and just keep your mouth shut, and letting it be what it be and let your work stand on its own, you got to throw the shots, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're not, again, we're not talking about just anybody. Mm-hmm. This Chris Jericho. Right. And, and, I mean, all of us have said, you know, we were somewhat surprised that they went with Jericho, but not because of the fact that Jericho can't do it. I mean, Jericho has proved... At every step of the way, every twist and turn, that he can keep up with the best of them. And he is almost 50, but he's still working just as well, if not better, than he has in about 10 years. So, you know, yeah, okay, I get it. I see where you could be going with that, but this isn't exactly uh, Goldberg at The Undertaker at uh, Saudi Arabia. You know what I'm saying? This was this an age in the cage. Yeah, this was Chris Jericho working at a high level with a top-notch talent and winning a championship that, quite frankly, you'd be stupid to not give him at least a chance to put it on a credible star, a, a made main eventer, and somebody that can carry your company and promote it the way that you would want them to. I don't see that as a detraction. And quite frankly, the fans that complained about it were complaining anyway. It just happened to be Chris Jericho that got the label. Well, I mean, did you not see the the interview that Chris Jericho did after the match where he had the belt and he was walking around? You know, and he just did it like he just did it like a it looked like a shoot. Um, going backstage like, oh, look, it's the Young Bucks, you know, thanks, you know, <laughs> and what are you looking at? And oh, look, it's the paramedics there. They like Chris Jericho. Where were you when I was bleeding to death in the middle of the ring? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the aftermath uh, on YouTube was great. Jericho walking through. Remember when he goes to the uh, table and he finds the champagne? He's like, oh, there you go. Now I can celebrate a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> right. He calls it B-rate salami. That's what Chris Jericho gets, B-rate salami. I mean, 
it was almost as if I wonder if maybe he saw that and just decided to run with it. As far as uh, what Corbin said. Well, and it's probably just. I mean, it's yeah. their way of you know, like one thing that you've got to realize that they Baron Corbin doesn't understand is. Jericho's at a point where he's he's with a company that just says, you know, do be you. Go right. out there. So, I mean, they're going to call it as it is. They're going to call you on the carpet. You know, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so I guess when Jericho loses the title, then Corbin will come out and call the fans stupid again for, you know, letting this go on. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, y'all were dumb enough to fall for it when he won the title. Now you're dumb enough to fall for it when he loses the title. Yeah, I mean, Baron Corbin isn't necessarily known for his social media uh, etiquette. (laughs) He's not made great decisions on social media, and I think that serves as a detriment to him as he moves forward as a as a competitor, but also as a as an employee. I think the problem is Baron Corbin thinks he's clever. Mm-hmm. Right, because Lord knows how easy it is to call fans stupid. Right, especially when we're dealing with the, um, pro wrestling. Right. Well, right. that's why we have terms of marks and all this other stuff. Oh, but you people are so stupid. Ah! Well, there's your big problem because nobody likes you. Nobody cheers for you. Hardly anybody boos for you. Most of the time, they don't even pay attention to you. But because you're there, you think that you have the ability to just voice an opinion on what the fans who ultimately, you know, are there to watch a product. Right. You know, you think your your opinion should matter? Well, it doesn't. Shut up. Until you win. Has he won an ice title? Uh, Baron Corbin to date has been U.S. champion, and that's one, it. Yeah, one time, one, and I don't even think he held it for uh, Money in the Bank winner. He did win Money in the Bank. Oh uh, yeah, but Money in the Bank doesn't count because it only counts if you cash it in. Ah, okay. I'll give you that. That makes sense. So yeah, U.S. title. We'll just give him credit on that. Um, I mean, cause realistically, uh, we we're counting the briefcase. <laughs> right. Well, right. he held a old plastic briefcase. <laughs> it looked good. <laughs> it had his lone wolf logo on it. <laughs> Baron Corbin is the second coming of the goat because he's held the goat. <laughs> God bless Baron Corbin and all he does. <laughs> he's the metal. He's the medalist wrestler of the year. You know? Oh, what a horrible idea! <laughs> then he promptly shaves his head and changes his gimmick to the commissioner. Right, right, yeah. So back to back to AEW and the, their pay per view. Um, wow, a solid outing by All Elite Wrestling. I think this really sets the table for October and sets the tone, sets the attitude. Um, everything you could ask for in a pay per view, you got. You got drama. You got lucha action. You got comedy. You got submission wrestling. You got hardcore wrestling. You got straight up just standard tag team action. You got debuts. You got, I mean, 
You got thumbtacks for crying out loud. You got biscuits for crying out loud at this pay-per-view. And um, all in all, you got a, a great lineup. Uh, do we want to try to rate this pay-per-view? Do we want to give a grade to this pay-per-view? I mean, I'd give it an A. An A? A solid A. All right. Wouldn't give it A plus, but I'd give it an A. Okay. Rob, what you got, man? I'd give it a... I'd say a A. I B A. Stan. I would probably go the direction of uh, I'm probably right there with you guys, like B plus, A minus, something like that. You know, I feel like this match or this pay per view was solid. I think it's probably the best stateside pay per view we've seen probably since uh, Double or Nothing, um, and better than anything WWE's put out in about at least two years. And I'm being generous there. Um, but yeah, I was very, very impressed. I really enjoyed it. I think All Elite Wrestling continues to have compelling content. Their matchups are good. Their talent is good. And I just, I'm curious to see what happens next. I, and that's kind of the goal, right? You always want to leave your audience wanting to know what's going to happen next. And that's where we're at. I mean, that is it's a solid show, very entertaining. The slow points were greatly outnumbered by the fast points. And I think that's really what you want. Yep, I agree. I mean, it was it's a it was a good pay per view. It was a fun time. There was many matches. There were high points, low points, and you know what? As you said, it leaves you wanting to see, hey, what's going to happen next? That it does. Whew. Uh, next on the calendar, if you're looking and trying to keep track, Class of Champions is September 14th. If you're asking us right now what the card is. I have no idea. That's how well it's been prepped up. Um, NXT debuts on September 18th on USA. That's going to be a two-hour event. Uh, They haven't given any matches yet for that, but with all of the rumor and innuendo that's been going around... (laughs) Nice try, Enzo Amore, by the way. It was a good try. Trying to get back in the public eye. Um, apparently, there was a rumor Enzo said that, uh, or had been spreading, apparently, that he and Cass were on their way back to WWE for NXT. Uh, which Triple H promptly <laughs> goes goes to his, uh, his promotional department and says, I need this shut down. I want you to tell them that we want absolutely nothing to do with it. So right. that's that's what his team does. They all refute the the rumor. They start responding to the dirt sheets and saying, "Nope, we want nothing to do with it." And then on on public uh, public forum in an interview, Triple H says, "Nope, we have no interest whatsoever in their return." It's a and pretty, who pretty would stiff shutdown? <laughs> um, you know, Enzo really burned a lot of bridges before he even was. Before Enzo Amore was ever alleged in any criminal activity, he was already burning bridges. So, yeah, I just... Okay, I'm willing to be wrong, but I just don't see it happening. I I don't think he's coming back. Was he entertaining? Sure. Did he have potential at one point? Of course. But, 
You know, that's that's what happens to the best of these guys. They have potential, and then they ruin it with something stupid. Just ask Barry. I mean, I mean, to me, like, they were already looking to get rid of him. It's just they helped, he helped them with it, you know? Right. Instead of them trying to sit there and find a reason to fire him, he gave them a reason, and they're like, oh, here's our out. And they, he, and they gave it to him. Yeah. You know? And you're not going to see it. I mean, what did he have? I mean, he quickly became the mouthpiece for – he was the mouthpiece for the team. But then when they broke them up, he lost all relevance. Rev- they tried him at 205 Live, and all that did was run 205 Live into the ground. So, anyway. Another story for another day. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. A great, great weekend for wrestling. Um, I really enjoyed this show, but at the same time, it was just good to watch a pay-per-view that wasn't like, oh, God, here we go again. Oh, you mean, like, so it was really good to watch a pay-per-view from Chicago and have Baron Corbin come out and they start chanting for CM Punk. Hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> that that pay-per-view you're talking about? No, no. I was glad to watch a pay-per-view where that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I've yeah, never maybe, gone to a WWE show in hopes of seeing Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah, maybe Baron Corbin should remember that. They don't chant CM Punk at AEW. Even at when he was there the day before. Or right. wherever StarCast was. And I think that just speaks to the amount of respect that AEW has for their fans and, and vice versa, the amount of respect that fans have for AEW. Well, maybe just talk about the caliber of Baron Corbin and the rest of the WWE. Or the fact that the card was going and the fat ma- matches were fast-paced and people were invested and they didn't go, oh, hey, what else can we do? <laughs> yeah, that's true also. They they didn't have to be bored and start chanting stupid stuff because they had something even, good to watch. Even during uh, the slow period, where they very easily could have tried to hijack it, they never attempted it. It really seemed like the the fans for all elite wrestling, and this has been, I would say, the case each time out. Um, it's just a different type of fan, a fan that just enjoys good wrestling. Yeah, it's a a true fan of wrestling, not the the bobbleheads. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of us watch the WWE, but the majority of WWE are bobbleheads. Again, they'll sit in their house when there's an indie show going on right across the street and won't think about watching it. But you put Raw on, oh my God, they're glued to the TV. They're not fans of wrestling, they're just fans of the WWE. Mm Mm-hmm. There you bobbleheads. Yeah. Oh, that Baron Corbin, he's such a good guy. I hope he, I sure do hope he wins uh King of the Rings. He's a tournament we haven't had in twenty years, but God the significance. Maybe they'll give him a metal briefcase to hold. <laughs> uh well he's done that. I think they'll give him a, a crown and scepter. Oh, there we go. King Corbin. Because that works for anybody except the Macho King. King Corbin. That's it. Put it on a t-shirt. Print it. Oh, I'm sure they already are. Oh, that's so sad. 
Because again, I, they've lost a boos and jeers and uh, they're so out of touch with their audience right now it ain't fun so uh, I guess that that is as we say that <laughs> all elite wrestling hits a, in my opinion a home run great show um, and I guess that's going to do it here for our uh, our evening edition here of Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. Quick shout out and thank you to, of course, our partners of Ultimate Championship Wrestling, NoDQ.com and LordsPain.net. Thank them, as always, for their continued support. We appreciate them. Uh, you can always catch up with Corner to Corner on Twitter at C2C Radio Show. You can check us out just like you're listening to us right now on the website at C2CRadioShow.com. Um, Feel free to contact us. Send us your recommendations, your suggestions, your questions. Anytime, just hit us up on the Contact Us page. Just click right there where it says Contact Us, and we'll be happy to respond to you. And we might even read it on the air. You never know. With that being said, you can catch up with Rob where on social media? Hey, Rob Hefner on Twitter. or C2, Rob Hefner, C2C on Twitter. Rob Hefner on Facebook. And, of course, you can catch up with Brian at STRCP21 on the Twitter. Brian Taylor on Facebook. And you can catch me at Stan Grubb on Twitter. And uh, Corner to Corner is also on Instagram. Corner of the number two and then Corner. Wait. I got a question. Go for it. What are we doing right now? We are closing up the shop for the night. (laughs) Wait, what? So we started talking about Baron Corbin, and I fell asleep. Oh, oh, oh hey, welcome back, Brian. Um, so while you were sleeping... Um, you didn't miss anything. Yeah, that's true. Because it was a Baron Corbin match, so everyone was sleeping with you. <laughs> Baron, you dumb, dumb man. <laughs> Why, dude? Why? Why would you want to be the guy? Seth Rollins, if he said it, all right, you know what? He gets kind of a pass in the regards of he's being loyal. But he's also talented. And has done stuff. Um, you know. You're there because in the 80s, you'd be the Barry Horwood to the roster right now. Hey, give him a pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to everybody. Mike Sharp. Oh, Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, there's a throwback. He, he Don't had disrespect a... Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> Lee Scott from the old WCW days. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We definitely appreciate you. We will see you next time right here. Ooh, hey, that's my gimmick. We'll see you next time right here on C2CRadioShow.com, Spreaker.com, and the Beyond Ringside Radio Network. Have a great night, and we'll catch up with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Have a great night, everybody. Yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.